listening to Halloween Unleashed. What did you do with Marnie? She's on the cutting room floor. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. I'm your host, Dylan Cloud, and joined again by my partner in crime, Brandon Zachman. Brandon, how you doing today? I'm holding up. Uh, how how you feel? I know you had had some, some stuff going on late. Uh, yeah, had to go to the hospital, spent 15 hours there, but, you know, I'm in, I'm in pain, but, you know, I'm just sitting on my couch watching horror movies, so it can't be too bad. Now, speaking of which, uh, our topic of today, you just got done watching a horror movie. Tell the people what we're talking about today. Talking about the Friday the 13th Vengeance fan film. What were, what were your, uh, and, you know, and we'll get a little more into detail, and, and just as a disclaimer, people, we're not here to shit on anything, we're not here to praise anything, we're here to give an honest opinion. This is not going to be, you know... Vengeance versus NHA or anything like that. You know that you know we're not going to be sitting here comparing apples and oranges. We're just going to give our honest opinion. But overall, what did you think of the movie? I think that they had some good ideas that I don't think were fleshed out properly. Uh, I mean, they definitely had some badass kills too. So you know, I kind of saw what they were going for, but I feel like they didn't quite hit the mark. In my opinion, what about you? Uh, I, I'd say the same thing. I watched it about the day it came out. You watched it uh, just today, so you know um, it's a little more fresh in your mind. I've had a little time to sit, kind of think about it. I, I like what they were going for. You know, Tom McLaughlin, ever since he made Part Six, had the idea to introduce Elias Voorhees, and I like that they took it in a different direction. They took a chance with it. Um, like you said, I think the execution's a little lacking. Um, but again, anyone who's ever you know sat down and objectively watched films and then went out and tried to make one themselves. It's not easy, you know. You can have all these ideas and stuff, but sometimes things just uh, don't translate to, to film quite as well. But um, I want to start with some of the things that I think they, they they nailed. And, of course, the cast. You know, they had C.J. Graham. They had Tim Dash. They had Tom McLaughlin make a cameo, which I wasn't expecting. Um, just as a fan of, of, of all of those guys, I, th- I thought it was pretty badass to see them on film again. Uh, Steve Dash? Huh? You said Tim Dash. It's Steve Dash. Did I say Tim Dash? You said Tim Dash. <laughs> oh, Steve Dash. Sorry, I, in my entire head, I was reading the credits. Steve Dash. <laughs> it's uh, it was great, especially seeing Steve Dash. You know, um, it's his last performance before he unfortunately passed away. Um, I thought he did a great job. Uh, he was definitely, I think, the highlight of the film for me was, you know, exploring his character and. Uh, you know, the backstory behind that, like behind his character in the movie. And also, you know, I thought he was a pretty good actor for a guy that, you know, pretty much was doing stunt work. He actually was a a pretty decent actor. 
Yeah, I want to say about C.J. Graham too. You know, because you know these these they played. You know, each of them played a Jason, and of course, you know, it's just a, a physical role. But they had some pretty good acting chops, and I and I loved the nod in the movie, and then also in the credits with Steve Dash saying, "I'm the real Jason Voorhees," and then the real Jason under his um, credit in the, uh, when it rolled at the end. I thought that that was just hilarious. Yeah, I mean, even his name in the movie, Jason Riolati. Um, it was definitely a, a pretty cool nod to uh, a guy who was really like a, a legend in the in the Friday the Thirteenth universe. Of course, he was the you know not the first Jason, but the the first killer Jason. And to me, I thought he he was one of the better ones. C.J. Graham, of course, Part Six is my favorite. It was great to have him on board, and I love Tom McLaughlin. Uh, again, I didn't know he was even in the movie. Did they announce that beforehand? Um, I. I think they showed a picture of him on set. I don't know that I, I was aware that he was actually going to be in the film. Um, especially with, since he was part of that whole part with the, uh, you know, that was in the book with, you know, Elias uh, paying off the, the gravekeeper kind of to take care of Jason's grave from the shadows. But um, that was definitely a cool nod. And I, I love Tom McLaughlin. His movie's one of my favorites. And uh, another thing I think they did very well was uh, the score was awesome. What did you think of the music? Yeah, I mean, they had the man himself, Harry Manfredini. Uh, so you knew going into it that the score was definitely going to be, you know, a Hollywood quality because you know he's the one that created all the all this the stuff that we think of when you when you think of Jason. You know, all the 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 sounds and the music and the the, the kick 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 my my my. All that stuff, you know. What did you feel about um, Jason's physical appearance? You know, of course, you know, it takes place right after part six. It's similar, but a little different. I thought uh, he looked even more aggressive and, and, you know, rotted and the propeller damage on the mask. What did you think of it overall? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was, it took place 30 years after part six, but it was a direct sequel. Um, His appearance, I mean, it it looks cool. I, I've noticed some of the fan films are doing this a lot. Um, I know that Jason Rising film pretty much has their Jason in part four get up, you know, and just looks aged and stuff. And I think, you know, they went the same route with the with the extra water damaged, soggy looking Jason. Um, his face was pretty cool, too. It kind of reminded me of a, a hybrid between part six and part eight um, with the way that his, his actual face looked when they unmasked him. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool, and I, I mean, Jason Brooks, I think, did a, a pretty solid job, and he had that imposing Jason look. Yeah, he's got the, and it's kind of weird to describe, but of course, because he's dead, but in so many of, like, you know, in six and eight, you kind of see Jason breathing, you know, it's that menacing way the entire body goes up and down, and he kind of had that that same, you know, appeal and, and physical presence, and I think in, in, in the kills he does, he's, you know, the aggression comes through, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, the heavy breathing was actually something that Kane Hodder really uh, trademarked with his Jason. So you don't see it as much in uh, in part six, but, you know, every movie that Kane Hodder did, he had the heavy breathing. That was one of his trademarks. And so I feel like that was that was kind of a nod to Kane Hodder, even though, you know, he didn't play in part six. But I feel like that was just... You know, they, they took that element, which has become pretty synonymous with Jason, and uh, and used it for their, their universe. 
I would agree. And um, unfortunately for me, these are kind of where um, the the positives for me kind of go away. Once we get into the um, the nitty gritty of the movies, where I start to the critiques start to come in. So first, you know. The opening scene I thought was was perfect with with Elias and and the gravekeeper and then Jason waking up. The opening scene I thought was pretty good. Um, it, I was just kind of confused how Jason was suddenly able to pull the rock off the bottom of the lake and to get out of it when it was keeping him down there for so long. I I think what they were they were trying to go for and what they kind of alluded to in the middle of the film when they kind of showed Jason's backstory of. You know, younger Elias pulling him out of the lake and reviving him with the the Necronomicon or whatever the hell that was. Um, I think they kind of had it tied together with that. So, like, Elias came back and I guess Elias being back woke him up uh, is kind of how I interpreted it. Um, They didn't really give you much of an explanation. So, you know, it's Jason Voorhees, so I don't put it past him that he, you know, he can't do anything. but uh, sorry, that friggin' thing. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't put it past Jason that he could pull, you know, that boulder from the bottom of the the lake if he's been awakened. But I, I just wish they would have fleshed it out a little more. Yeah, and this was a longer fan film. It was like what an hour and a half. Yeah, hour and thirty four minutes. It, and that, you know, it's about normal length of a Friday movie. But I don't know, the whole thing kind of felt rushed. And like, you know, very opening, you just have. Well, here's three people getting murdered. Well, I, I guess two, because one of them survived. But, I don't know, I thought the kills were a bit aggressive and excessive. You, you, you know, like, there were, it was just, I didn't, I haven't tallied up the body count, but there was probably at least 25, 30 people, you know, and the thing I like about Friday the 13th is Jason generally doesn't attack a group of people. You know, he picks them off one at a time. Yeah. Jason attacking two or three people at once or attacking, uh, you know, several groups of people doesn't kind of seem to be something he would do. Like the prison, uh, the prisoner scene when he just, you know, shows up and hacks everyone up. That was just kind of odd to me. I did like the uh, the ghost tour kills. I thought those were pretty cool because, you know, the confusion of, oh, I'm Jason, you know, so-and-so. Uh, what are you doing out here, you know? Uh, but... I don't know, there it just seemed to be too much joking about, ha ha, Jason's going to be out here and kill us, and then he kills you. I I think they were trying to do a lot of fan service, and I think that it kind of got out of hand. Um, I think they just kind of tried to do too much of that. I mean, some of the kills, they had some awesome practical effects, and, you know, I, I'm a big fan of that because I hate, you know, CGI and, and horror. I feel like it's really killed the... Um, a lot of the the awesome creative kills that you see in the movies, I feel like it's just become kind of a cop out. If you just look at, at chapter two, where ninety percent of the film was CGI, I just feel like you know practical effects really add something to the film. And they had some awesome ones, but I just feel like maybe if they were shot a little differently, like one that stands out is the one where um, I, I'm pretty sure that was Jason Brooks play, plays the redneck that's uh, kind of walking through the woods and he meets Jason, and, and Jason just rips his head out. I think that was I think that was a sick effect and it looked awesome. Um, especially when you're not at the mercy of the ratings board, so you've got to do whatever the hell you want. 
I feel like if, if they would have maybe shot that a little differently, it could have been, you know, one of the coolest kills out of any Jason ever, including the, you know, the canon films. Um, but yeah, I just feel like they tried to do too much of it. You know, he's just running through Rampage and, you know, giant groups of people, pretty much half the film that, he, that he's doing that. I, I would have liked to see a little more of the, the tactical Jason, you know, kind of plotting out his, his, his kills or something like that. But, you know. Uh, they they went for it, and I can't knock them for that. I, I thought that Redneck character at times was a bit much, but overall I thought he was pretty funny. But I think you're right with the fan service. It it, it gave me Halloween 2018 kind of vibes, where I, I feel like they um they reached for tropes and they did it excessively. You know, it's okay to pay tribute and to go back to other films, and they certainly do that, um, especially later on in the movie. But I think they kind of went a bit far with it. They went a bit far with the number of kills the brutality of the kills, how much of it was on screen, and frankly, the gratuitous nudity was kind of like the remake and how out of hand it got. Like, it was just just all the time. I mean, I think that just pays to the fan service they were trying to do, you know. I, I was going to make the comparison with the new Halloween film where it's just kind of like they just really went for just brutal, nonstop kills, which I feel like takes away from the film a little bit. Um, but... You know, Jason's known for, you know, the special effects with the brutal kills um, and obviously naked women. That's that's those are the two things that are synonymous with the Friday the 13th film. Um, so I feel like they were just trying to do fan service by that. But I think they just overdid it. Yeah. And, and some of the things also like and I loved how they went back to 1958 and reshot the opening of the original and they brought continuity back to the sheriff character and the, uh, I believe it's the Jarvis grandmother of being semi-responsible for Jason's drowning. Um, yeah, the that, I, yeah, I thought that was great. Um, but I feel like the retconning of Elias being the one who killed him, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I didn't like that because I feel like now it's taking away from the original film. Because like the whole, the whole point is that... Um, is that you know Pamela was was poisoning the lake and all this stuff to try to keep people out? So now they kind of mess with that whole element, and I didn't really like that. And and I really didn't like the the father aspect at all. Honestly, like it just it takes away the core value. Like what what Friday the Thirteenth is at its core is a story about a mother and a son that would you know kill for each other. And for them to kind of try and attack that narrative, I feel like really doesn't do a service to the franchise as a whole. And I think there lies my my biggest gripe with the film. And, and then they took, and, that, and again, they, they, C.J. Graham's feel like the only lines he had in this movie were, you let my boy drown and you killed my boy. And that was about it. And then the Necronomicon thing. I'm not you know, opposed to supernatural elements in the, in the movie, but I feel like they're taking the worst parts of the worst movies and putting them in, you know, what is it everyone hated about Jason goes to hell? It was the, it was the stupid mythology. So now you're suddenly saying that, you know, Elias is the reason Jason keeps coming back and, 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 you know, the supernatural stuff and the uh, inhuman strength. I feel like you're just trying to explain too much where it doesn't need to be, you know? Yeah. It's it's a 
Friday the 13th is a very simple plot. And, you know, they've always kind of alluded with the, oh, that place is cursed. It's a death curse throughout the franchise. But when you try to over-explain and over-indulge a backstory, I think you kind of lose a bit of, you know, the monster. It's the not knowing is scarier than actually knowing what's going on. So for it to be, you know, a straight-out Necronomicon-style death curse, I just feel like it makes Jason less intimidating. I don't, I don't know. It just, it just kind of it waters down what Friday the Thirteenth is, and I feel like, especially for a fan film where you know you're, you're you're trying to really do service to the 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 franchise, and you know you're fans, so you're trying to really make a movie that you know other fans will like. I, I just feel like they kind of lost their vision in the middle of the film. And, you know, and, and of course, people are, are drawing endless comparisons to Never Hike Alone, which is, again, it's apples and oranges. But if you must compare the two, the reason it's so successful is it's it's, it's bare bones. It's kind of like the Halloween 4 of fan films. It just takes the bare essential best parts of it, you know, limited Jason vision. You know, it's not overly graphic, overly, you know, all the, what minimal kills there are, are off screen and not too graphic. It's just simple, you know. And, and that's sometimes doing the least is the most. And I think here is kind of the opposite. They try to do too much at once. And I really think, of course, you know, budget not being uh, an object here could have even made sequels to this, you know, with maybe drawing some of these stories out more. Because you bring back so much continuity to the original ones with having Sandra and I uh, can't remember her brother's name, but the one who screams he's killing me in the basement before. He, um, having, you know, their cousin and Jenny's, I think, niece and, you know, all these people who have been affected by Jason. And then you have them make these generic mistakes of, oh, I'm going to go out by myself. Let's split up, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. You kind of want them to be more like a Tommy Jarvis character since we don't actually get to see him in the movie. Having them be a little smarter, you know, not leave their truck running with the keys in it, which, you know. Of course, you got to get rid of the guns. You know, you only have so much budget. But I feel like ha- have these characters be a little smarter, not have them be distracted with naked people in the lake and then just get, you know, chopped in the face with an axe. I wanted to see, you know, more of a fight with Jason, not, you know. All right. So Never Hike Alone, I think what, what Vincente did perfectly in that was he didn't mess with the mythology. You know, he kept it. He kept it basic where, you know, it was a fan film, did fan service, but didn't mess with the overarching, you know, story of the entire franchise. So it kind of just just fit in, you know. Um, also, I think what Never Hike Alone did great was there was only one actor and Andrew Lady did a great job. So you didn't have that kind of cringy acting to really take you out of it. Um, and I think that was I think that's what did it for me um i know a lot of people are upset because you know friday the 13th it's final girls not you know final guys so you know it, his his protagonist being kyle um i know lost a lot of people but i think it was it was good it was refreshing and to see that cat and mouse was extremely entertaining another thing they did well is the movie's only about 50 minutes long you know it didn't it didn't have time to really 
drag stuff out. It just kind of it, it it hit its plot points and then it was over. It, they didn't have to flesh things out. I think Friday the Thirteenth Vengeance was trying too hard to be a legitimate film, uh, you know, a feature length film that it, there was just parts that went on too long and they just had to throw unnecessary stuff in there. And I feel like it water it diluted what they had at their core, and I think that's what ultimately hurt the film for me overall. Um, but also going to the, the Jarvis point you were talking about, you know, I, I know they couldn't get Tom Matthews, so they should have done a better job of taking him out of the, the film. I think, you know, oh, he's going after Jason. Meanwhile, this is, you know, Jason's biggest, you know, adversary. And then he's not involved in the film at all. I feel like that was just, that was stupid. You know, that was, it made no sense. All right, he's going after Jason, but he doesn't encounter Jason at all. It's just his kids do. I just, that, that kind of just lost me. Like, you could tell they probably had all this stuff written out for Tommy to be in this film. And then when they couldn't get Tom Matthews, they were just like, all right, we're just going to write that out. And then it just left this big, huge plot hole dead center in the middle of their film and i feel like that that just wasn't good yeah and i think yeah you got a good point and i'm surprised i couldn't get tom because you know i i i wasn't i don't remember whenever it came out in 2017 i was i don't remember when it came out um but i don't know if they announced him being in the movie beforehand so i think that might kind of led fans for 90 minutes thinking okay well it's going to be like Never Hike Alone, and he's just going to pop up at the end of the movie. You know, when's he coming? When's he coming? You know, all these kids are doing is looking for him, looking for him. Everyone in the community knows Tommy Jarvis, Tommy Jarvis, you know, other than Jason, most popular character in the movie. And you base your entire movie around finding this guy, and then you don't find him. It, it just kind of leaves you wanting more. And I wouldn't have minded it so much if, you know, the, the acting wasn't as bad as it was and people say well you know friday is not known for great acting well no it's not but you never watch any of the movies and think oh well you know this is obviously a movie these people are terrible the moody little girl drove me nuts and you know she's just so monotone so bland no personality and i feel like you know angelica's carrying the entire movie i thought she did a good job there's definitely some good acting in this movie you know, again, Steve Dash did a great job. Peter Anthony, uh, as one of the, in the short time he was on film, I thought he did good. You know, there was definitely some good, but overall, it just it seemed it was too obvious. I was watching people playing characters, if you know what I mean. I definitely agree with you saying that Angelica carried the film. She she was a very good actress. Um, I do think a lot of the supporting cast wasn't quite up to par and i feel like that really hurt the film um and you know i know acting is not easy um it's definitely hard to to come off as genuine when you're acting in a film but i just feel like especially with the budget they had i feel like they could have done better um because it really takes you out of it when when the characters aren't believable it, it just makes it feel like you know i'm watching a fan-made film and i feel like if you're making a fan film, that's the biggest thing you got to get over is you want to make people feel like you're watching a legitimate movie. You don't want people to be like, oh, yeah, this is just a bunch of people doing this for fun. Um, and I think that's what Never Hike Alone did well is like the production value and the acting just made it feel like you were watching a legitimate movie. And Vengeance just kind of felt like, all right, yeah, I could tell like this was just made by people wanting to make a movie. 
Um, and that's not the worst thing in the world, but you know, with all the hype the Vengeance had, all the money they had, um, you know, they had a they had a pretty crazy budget. They could have, I feel like they could have done a lot more um, and been more effective with it. But um, you know, we, we got what we got. <laughs> Uh, how much budget did they have? Like fifty k? I think they had even more than that. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I know that um, the people that were behind, you know, making that film, they they were able to crowdsource a lot of money, and it could have they they could have done a lot more with that budget. And as far as a couple of plot points, I hate again. The whole final girl thing. The, the I can't remember his name, but the bearded character, you know, the the, the one with the glasses that gets killed under the boat. Yeah, I would have preferred if he had lived. You know, I, I don't even, I don't remember. You see, that's another thing. Like I just watched the film and I I don't remember his name either because I don't I don't think he really stood out. I just feel like they had a a few characters that they just threw in there to kind of just bring the plot along and you know. I had I had no attachment to any of the characters when they died. Like I, I didn't care, and I feel like that's what you don't want to happen. You know, you want your kills to have impact, and I just feel like they just had these characters just kind of thrown in there to kill off, rather than developing them as essential to the story. And then you know, when they die, you're like, damn, like you feel something. You know, I, I think even like the Friday Thirteenth remake, you know, at the end when they built up Daniel Panabaker's character throughout the whole film and you think, oh, she's a classic final girl and then she gets killed and you're like, you know, it, it, it like, it punches you in the gut. You know, I feel like that's what you want out of your main characters dying. The only person that I probably would have cared about is Angelica and, you know, spoiler alert, she, she doesn't die. <laughs> I, I didn't understand the po- point of having her wounded because she got wounded pretty bad and yeah, there's a two-week break between that and the end of the movie but she's walking around just fine. If you get stabbed through your abdomen... It's going to be more than a two-week recovery process. I, I didn't see the point in having her wounded at all, you know. That whole ending sequence kind of had me confused. I actually had to rewind it and rewatch it because I was like, what, 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 what actually happened there? And I still don't get what was going on with Elias and Jason. Like, I, I have, yeah. suddenly, oh, are you suddenly tired of being told what to do? And, and now you're going to kill your dad who, I don't know, is he a zombie like you two? Like, I, I don't know. It was... Yeah. He stabs him for the cut. He says, "You're not my boy." Then he dies, and he comes back, and then now they're a tag team. Like I, it just, it, it had too much ambiguity, and just I have no, I still don't know what happened at the end of the movie. Pretty much, I, yeah, I, they're setting up for a sequel, and I, I'm, I'm good. I don't know. Again, I like the Elias character. I, I, I like the concept, you know, of, of following up on that original idea Tom McLaughlin had, but. You don't have to have him killing. Yeah, I just, I just think they thought it was a cool way to get CJ back and kind of, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it didn't. It definitely didn't resonate with me. It might have resonated with other people, but you know, the core of this move, the core of this franchise is a mother and a son and their love for each other. And I feel like just throwing the dad in the mix, and now all of a sudden, you know, he was an absentee father then, but now he cares so much about his his zombie boy, and then then he's not your boy anymore. But then at the end of the movie, he is your boy. It's just all over the place. 
Anyway, I think it could have been working a little better. I don't, and I don't know how much input Tom McLaughlin had on this because you know, again, this was a concept he had, but again, he didn't have to be killing. And I think if he had just been more of a, what's a good example? Kind of like the Paul Bear to his Undertaker, you know, have him just be in the area in the vicinity, but kind of be like like the homing beacon for Jason. Like if you see him and you know Jason's going to be on the way, like like a shark smelling blood in the water. See, I don't even think I would want that. I think that him being a, you know, I'm trying to think of a good comparison. Have him be a character that maybe tries to reason with Jason, you know, maybe like, oh, he's trying to find him to, you know, tell him it's okay, you don't have to do this, rather than being like, all right, me and Jason are going to be tag team partners and we're going to fucking take down, you know, everyone. And I, I just... Uh, Jason's not a, you know, he's not a guy that's going to have a tag team partner. He does his own thing, and I feel like alluding to the fact that that's what's going to happen is just, is just dumb, truthfully. Now, that would be a good concept to have Elias, you know, return and, and try to, you know, change things, you know, and not just, you know, be the same thing. Because, you know, again, we had enough of that with, uh, with Pamela doing her thing. Um, I wonder how that would have went. I wonder, uh, are they like planning to do a sequel? It's like that. Like, is that the plan that's in the works? Alluded to it with, uh, you know, Elias killed the grand, the great grandmother, um, and then was burning her photo. I guess he's got like a list of people he wants to kill. Is what I took from that. Um, but then he says Jarvis at the end, so I don't know if that means he wants to go after Tommy Jarvis or or what. I, um. But, you know, it, it's showing Jason, it, alluding to the fact that Jason and Elias are working together now. That that just, I don't want to see that movie, uh, I'll be honest. <laughs> and, see, and that's the thing, is, it makes me wonder. So, like, Elias starts this, this revenge in, in back, you know, 60 years ago. And then, you know, where the fuck was he in, in the middle? You know, when Jason's out living in the woods and, you know, again, I, I don't know exactly how much you know, of what originally Pamela had done to keep the camp closed was suddenly now Elias. But why does he wait 30 years after Jason went back in the lake to come resurrect him? And, and what? why didn't he come back before to get him out of the grave? You know, just a lot of unanswered questions. Exactly, and that's why the whole you can't have the franchise as a whole centered around a boy and his mother, and then just be like, you know, so so this guy cared so much that he, I guess, sold his soul or wh- however that book worked to bring his son back to life to leave him in the woods to fend for himself, a- 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 like an animal, and and does not care for, you know, what forty years. 50 years until you know now all of a sudden he cares it just there's too much plot hole material around it to really make it be an effective story i think you're right um I think on paper, this was a great idea. You know, you, you had Harry Manfredi doing the score. You had Tom McLaughlin on board. You had all these great actors from the film. 
you had a great concept. And again, not knocking them for trying because again, you know, they were definitely not in their shoes going through what they're doing. But I think if you're going to put all that time, money, and effort, and and get these big names back in there, I think you need to do a little bit more with it. You know, take advantage of those resources and really dial it down. I don't know how much time went into pre-production, but I feel like a little more time knocking things out. Again, if you want to do more in the future, break it up. You don't have to make a feature-length movie. Take that budget, split it up, make two installments of, you know, 45 minutes as opposed to a 90-minute film, and really dial these things in. Because you are basing this entire film around a character you don't have and any potential sequels that you want to make around a character that you may not be able to get. And then what? You're stuck with your dick in your hand because you can't make this new sequel because you can't get, you know, Tom Matthews. Well, I know I'm pretty sure Tom Matthews didn't do it because he's tied into Never Hike Alone. Um, so I think they didn't want to have him cross over because it would have caused would have caused you know conflicts because i know uh, i'm pretty sure tom matthews is going to be back in the in the newer installments of never hike alone um so they could have even recast tom and jarvis they could have got back uh who the fuck played him in part five? Oh yeah exactly you could have gotten that guy you could have done you could have just gotten a new actor and just said hey this is this isn't 30 years later tommy jarvis it just I feel like him missing from the film was just, it was too key for what they were trying to do. And they also, I, I just don't get the whole, you know, oh, all the, these family members of, you know, the survivors and whatnot going after Jason. I just don't think that's Friday the 13th. You know, it's never been about revenge. And the only time you really see that is in part two when he goes and he kills Alice. Um, but other than that, you, you know, you never see the final girls return. And, you know, I feel like they tried to make it too much like Halloween by, like, you know, having these family members or whatever try and stop Jason. But then they're all stupid and split up and just get picked off one by one without putting up any fight. It just, I don't know, there, was, there wasn't enough struggle to really get you in, invested. Like, in pretty much every film, Jason gets his ass kicked. But... You know, the only the only thing they had was, you know, a hundred and what, hundred and fifteen pound Angelica Jarvis tackling Jason to the ground, which kind of threw me off. Then other than that, that was pretty much you know, Bugsy hitting him in the head with the bat. Pretty much the only hits that Jason really takes. There just wasn't enough, you know, conflict. It was just kind of Jason killing people, killing people, killing people, and then you know, he kills Elias and then it's just like, oh, all right, two weeks later, here we are. Like, I don't know. It just it just didn't resonate well with me. Yeah, again, I watched it, and I'd probably watch it again. I didn't hate it, and, and you know, and this is not a personal attack on anybody. I, you and me both know people who helped make the movie, who were in the movie, involved with it. It's not personal. It's just a, a, a purely from our a, a subjective, but a trying to be objective point of view. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it takes so much time and effort, and you can tell they put a lot into this film. Um, and I, I definitely, I don't hate it. It's just. You know, I feel like there were some things they missed on that they could have done better and that would have drove it home a little more. Um, but I just feel like they went for more spectacle rather than substance, um, which I mean, you, 
I, I definitely respect the amount of time and stuff it took to put in this film, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people will love it. So, uh, you know, our opinion doesn't necessarily mean it's right or wrong, but um, it was definitely it was a solid offering. Yeah, but you know, I think we'll wrap this up before people start sending you know bombs in the mail to us. <laughs> Um, well, thanks for coming on, Brandon. Um, you know, check Brandon and me out in the Horror Forever group. You can also check Brandon out in the Halloween market, um, where he is also, I believe, a moderator or an admin. And then uh, you just created a new Facebook group. What, uh, tell the people what that's called. Yeah, it's um, I have an Instagram that's uh, horror underscore cc. Um, it's for horror costumes and collectibles. I'm I'm trying to uh, to start you know, a, a community and a Facebook page and uh, Instagram. I have my Instagram going. I want to start a YouTube channel um, just to really focus on, you know, collecting and the independent scene and whatnot. Uh, so I'll definitely be looking to flesh that out a little bit over the next the next few months to really start getting going. And then you can also check my Instagram out, the cutting room floor at DC, where you can see all the masks I'm making and then uh, just keeping up with me in between these episodes. Um, but until next time, uh, for Brandon Zeckman, I've been Dylan Cloud, and this has been The Cutting Room Floor. You're listening to Halloween Unleashed. <laughs>